Well, well, well. This is it's kind of sad. <laughs> this is sad music. Is it? Yeah, this should be your walk-on theme. <laughs> oh, Jesus. People know what to expect. You love this song, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Welcome to the Gentleman's Dojo. Yeah, 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 yeah. To my left. A lot of critics that said we couldn't make it this far. Well, you. No, they were talking about both of us. No. <laughs> Just me. Yeah. The uh, Gentleman Dojo. To my left, Gary Cannon. Hello, hello. How are you? Now you say to my... Oh, oh to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have this whole thing down. To my right, Steve Byrne. Thank you. You might know Gary Cannon from... Well, this podcast. <laughs> Seriously, what do I know you from? Carson Daly back in 93, and then I did Who Wants to Date a Comedian back in 98, and then... Do you have I'm, anything this century? I'm scheduled to do... Do you have any credits this century? No, but listen, I'm scheduled... <laughs> if they bring comics on Leashback, I'm scheduled to be on that show. Oh. I got passed, I got passed down for the first four rounds, yeah. but if we do it again. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever do that show... That was it's amazing. Also... There's fish in a fish tank that have that have been on Comics Unleashed before you have. <laughs> so Behind Byron Allen. Yeah. Did you ever do that show that he did? It was also a Byron Allen show. It was called Laughs. Like it was that. Uh, oh gosh. That thing where it was in a theater. Yeah. And the and audience like a University would stand. of Santa Monica. Yeah. 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 They could stand before and after and all that stuff. It's so funny because I did that and I don't even consider that a credit. But to you, that'd be like. That'd Letterman. be kind of a big deal. That'd be my Letterman. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my. So, so letter your Letterman is Byron Allen. That would be. Yeah. yeah. He would come out, do the, you know, point to DJ1 or whatever his DJ is. Right. <laughs> I was you, gonna, now, you, when you watch DJ1, are you like, I'd like to work with him because he'd be a great DJ because you do that audience warm-up. I don't, yeah. I don't look where at, you do dance parties. You're like, hey, hit song number those, 28. I don't look at those shows and think I want to do that show. I think about what's it like backstage? What's it like behind the camera doing the warm-up on them? That's how I look at it. Yeah. By the way, you know what I think you'd be a good that fit went for? I think you'd be a good fit for it, that Steve Hofstetter show Laughs. That doesn't pay anything. I think you'd be a good fit for that. Have it's been- literally like like what's happening right now is yeah. you're getting no laughs. No, I'm saying with, this. You think I should be on laughs with Steve Hofstetter? Do you think – here's what I was going to ask you. I was transitioning I'm into doing this. the Late Late Show tomorrow. <laughs> Who hosts that this time? Who's host? James you? Corden. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. good, good luck. Good what luck are you doing that. this century? Who are the other guests on what, that show? You haven't even <laughs> – It's 2015. 2015 years into this, end, you, nothing? Nothing. I don't really care about it. Not important to me. By the way, can we say this? Oh, hold on. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. No, I wanted to bring up this controversy because I know that you're- Controversy. Pre- a okay. little bit, right? Yeah. So Steve Hofstetter is an executive producer and also created this show called Laughs, right? Well, Steve and Hofstetter's I- biggest, biggest credit is a J-Date commercial. And so he needed something comedy-based to offset the J-Date commercial. My question was, do you think, because the, the, the complaint was none of the comics who are doing that show are getting paid. Or if they are, it's very minimal. I see where this is going. No, I'm, I'm being totally serious. You're going to say, if comics want to work and not get paid, just open for Steve Byrne. That is, <laughs> I know that you can see the bowling ball coming right down Main Street, but that's yeah. not where I was going with that. Where is it going? I wanted to, to, to know what you thought about new comics working and getting a TV credit for free, even if it meant doing it based on that. I mean, well, I totally think serious. it's such a, you know, that that story did get so much press that yeah. you'd be associated with that. And there's such a negative stigma to that laugh show that I don't think it's worth the credit. Right. But at the end of the day, credits really, you know, a credit might mean something to a club booker or a club 
owner or manager, but they, at the end of the day, unless you're moving tickets, it do, it just doesn't matter. Because you and I have talked about this before too. You can have all the credits in the. I mean, I know a lot of comics that have our Comedy Central specials. They've been on late night. They've Here been on this. They've been on that. Here we go. I, I know you. Always, <laughs> I know you always think that there's a negative to this, but no, no. But I'm saying like I know people that have done all that, mm-hmm. and and they're not working anywhere. And then right. you, you talk about the person who puts up a YouTube channel, right? And they're all over the place. So really, like, I think years ago, you needed those credits to build your resume, get club recognition, this, that, and the other thing. But I don't think you do now. I I think the credits on TV are probably just as varied as something that goes viral on YouTube, wouldn't you? I mean, because, you know, I know a lot of of people that want to do those shows on on whatever, like laughs or whatever that is, just Mm -hmm. to have that credit. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not going to mean a whole lot. I mean... yeah, I mean, somebody could do a funnier die sketch that could have more of an impact than doing a late night spot. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it is interesting because we, we, I am really tired of getting these Kickstarter notices for everybody and their brother that wants to make a goddamn movie. Well, if you live here in Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. you're going to get emailed. You're going to get hit up on Facebook. Yeah. Can you please fund my film? Can yeah. you fund my short film? Could you fund my short? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. My my rule is always this, and I think I've told you this rule. I always wait till the very last couple of days of the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and then I look and I notice it's not going to be funded, and that's where I chip in the 250 I think Wait, what? I look at the crowdfunding campaign, right? Yeah. It's not going to be funded. Obviously, there are thousands and thousands of dollars from hitting their goal. Mm-hmm. So that's when I jump in because then I know it's not – my money's not going to be so taken you, out. You're going to get I, refunded? Of so course. You gotta, so you you chime in as though – Sure, it's going to be taken. You're yeah. going to help out. You're a good guy. Yeah. But you're doing it knowing you are such a scumbag. You never, ever donate to a Kickstarter or GoFundMe day one or two. That's the dumbest thing you can do. Yeah. Oh, I've been in an accident. Go fuck yourself. Jesus, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) I need medical insurance. Gary. Listen, I would love the NFL Sunday ticket, but you don't see me doing a GoFundMe campaign, (laughs) right? Maybe. Um, Indiegogo. Uh, But no, I I always wait till the very last (laughs) minute. I always wait till the very last minute, right? And that's when I chime in, right? Because okay. then they're like, "Wow, Gary's a good guy. Gary mm-hmm. wants to donate and help the project." Shit, I wish all of my other deadbeat friends would throw in like Gary did, and maybe this thing could be funded. Now, there's also the reverse scam that they're going to pull, where they throw their credit card down, make up the difference, and they get all of the money, right? And then you're like, "Fuck." That guy outbeat me, <laughs> right? Because he was thinking ahead, right? And then because I've seen that before too, where they're thousands of dollars away, and if you don't make the whole goal, you get none of it, right? Right. So then what they do is they throw in their own money, so then they get your money, which I think is a dick move, because I obviously don't. I wish they would tell me that. But if they hit that goal, then they get to do it. They if get they to hit, do whatever they want to do, absolutely yeah. right. But when I donate, I am I I'm thinking that they're not going to hit the goal. That's the only reason I'm donating. So if then they go behind my back and then put in their own money, I think that's a shitty move. No, you're a shitty move. (laughs) You're getting pissed off because you donated money and the guy got the money that you donated. You're pissed at him. I'm pissed at him because he went behind my – he should call me and say, hey, listen, I'm going to throw in some of my own money to get your money. We're both kind of fucking each other. Do you know what I'm saying? So he's, he's breaking even, but you're losing. Yeah, I'm still losing. That's great. I love the, I love any story where you lose. Yeah. So if you ever have a GoFundMe campaign, I like won't because I need a, to pay Gary, for your I mortgage, work. or you need to pay for your electricity, or get happen. your daughter clothes for school, like any of that stuff. Because I've seen your website. Um, then <laughs> I will donate at the very end. Well, I, I work. I'm I, excited. I by the to. way, we have a, a great guest on our show today. By the way, we do. Is he? Oh, okay. Um, Can we say who it is yet or no? 
Well, yeah, yeah. Sure. Good. He is the uh, the star of the Mike and Molly show over there at CBS. Yeah. Which I run into him all the time, so over at the Warner Brothers lot. Uh, and host, <laughs> what does that mean? host of the new Millionaire's Monopoly game. Yeah. Billy Gardell. You know, you never get a you never miss an opportunity to let me know that you still work on the Warner Brothers lot. The Warner Brothers lot is where we film Sullivan and Son, a cast of Tony Award winners, the writer of Caddyshack, Brondor Murray, uh, Emmy nominated Dan Loria on The Wonder Years when their show got nominated, and all and the, the rest. It's kind of like that Gilligan's Island, you know, where the four people had credits, and then you have to say and the rest because they didn't want to go into the details of the eighteen other unknowns. Yeah, you had a couple of good ones. I'll give you that. Oh, you, uh, but then you had uh, Ahmed, you mean Ahmed, the star Owen creator, Benjamin, myself, Roy Wood Jr. Yeah, yeah, I all mean, great it's, comics. It's, you know what? They have credits. You know what? Here's what's funny: you, you move out to LA, and the first thing you think is, I got to get an agent. I got to take acting lessons. I got to you know, learn how to my my, my lines and all this stuff. And then all you the watch things Sullivan you never and Son. Did. You watch Sullivan and Son. You realize all that bullshit's out the window. You don't need to to know acting. You've never needed to take an acting lesson. <laughs> it's all out the window. You know what I mean? So, so just when you start mentioning the Sullivan and Son cast, you 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 end with the theme song of Gilligan's Island, and you right. say "and the rest." Okay, because yeah, I, I'll give you. There's four good ones, and then probably twelve bad ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what I'm you're, talking you're about. You're the worst. So you—that's what I love about of all of us that worked on Sullivan and Son. You are still the one that is working on the Warner on the Brothers, Brothers lot, lot which yes. is immensely nauseating to me. And I have said this to you before, which I think is 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 a big thing. You're friends with Billy Gardell, right? Maybe Yeah, yeah I, I'm friends with Maybe yeah. instead of you being friends with him, you can ask him, "Hey, do you have an inroad for me to possibly audition for Monopoly Millionaire and maybe you can make some money back instead of going out and doing these C rooms on the road? Maybe you can get you on the show." Uh, why don't you ask him that, Gary? I already make money. Oh, come on. I, I know how much you make. Really? Oh yeah. What was the worst <laughs> The I worst, know. Believe me, I know how much. What was the worst Kickstarter funding program that you've ever seen? Uh, it was a movie called uh, <laughs> I Comic Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good movie, by the way. <laughs> I Comic. Yeah. Um, no, you ever? I, I, there, there's so many. But when I when I donate, I, I actually do donate. So on the phone right now with us is our very very good friend, yeah, headliner, fellow Pittsburgher. Uh, I love this man, Billy Gardell. Billy, how are you? What are you two lunatics going to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary has a quick question for you. Yeah, I do. First of all, yeah. I want to know: Are you sitting with a table between you so there's no knife fight going on? Yeah, we got we <laughs> a little buffer true. zone in between us. Yeah. When are you? When are you oh, back okay, at the Warner good. Brothers lot, my friend? When am I on the Warner? Brothers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The seventeenth. 17th of September, Gary. Maybe I'll see you on the lot. You will definitely see me on the lot in the commissary. I was telling Steve, he always promotes that, you know, Sullivan and Son had all these great actors. And I, I give him that maybe there's like four or five, right? But then you have the rest of the people where, you know, Steve tries to sing their praises. And I almost think it's kind of like Gilligan's Island where, you know, they always say, and the rest. Remember in the theme song? That like, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, you can't. You can't look at some of those people. I mean, you look at like Owen and Ahmed and Roy, and it's proof positive that you don't need an acting coach. It's proof positive that you don't need any talent going into Hollywood. It's all a matter of luck, right? Yeah. Well, why are you still behind the camera then? <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, Gardell, we were going to talk about something. And... Accepting, accepting the Nobel Peace Prize as a Unitarian work. Gary Cannon. Yeah, of Thank course. You. Um, we were going to ask you a question. 
uh, this is something where we're kind of thinking about this. What, what, at what moment in your storied career, look, you're on Mike and Molly, you're going into your fifth season now, is that correct? Or are you going into sixth? Um, sixth. Wow. This will probably be our final one. So you guys save room at that podcast table because I'm going to need it. <laughs> so you're going into your sixth season and you're hosting Monopoly. Yeah, Monopoly Millionaires Club, yep. That's unbelievable. I mean, you got a double whammy. You're living every comic's dream, a, a syndicated sitcom, the game show to boot. So many comics have gone that route. You're doing it all at the same time. But when is it that you, you know, even if you go back to your roots, go back to early on in your career or somewhere in that middle area, when did you really feel like a comic? When did you feel like you're part of the club, like you're, you're actually doing it? This is, this is your calling. What, what, what was that moment for you? That's a really interesting question. I'm, I'm, uh, I didn't feel like a comic until I could close at the clubs. When I could headline at the A-rooms, you know, what were considered A-rooms back then before, you know, everything went corporate. Uh, when, I, when I could close at the A-rooms, I felt like I was part of that comedy community. And nowadays, you know, I, I've been blessed because of a television show to be able to play theaters and casinos and stuff like that. But now I kind of feel like... Um, I feel like I got my crowd and, and that's a, that's a tremendous blessing. But at the same time, I feel as if like, I'm, uh, I'm one of the, I'm one of the old guys now. I'm one of the older guys now. I'm one of the guys that's not really in the hip click. So I'm, I'm more of a, uh, I'm like, uh, like, it's like if you're watching a ball game and you see a guy come out to designated hit, you go, Oh, he's still playing. That's what I seriously do. I feel like that now. And, and I like, you know what's great is because I had my time, you know, and I, I was had my angry time as a comic, and I had my edgy time, and then I had my time where I found out who I was, and I, there was a time where I felt like I was right in the middle of the community, and now I feel like I made my bones. And now what's good about that is it takes the the, the ego out of it, so I get to enjoy other comics, you know, I get to be a yeah. fan again. So I went from being a fan to worrying about my own act, and now I'm kind of a fan again because I don't really worry about my act now because I kind of know what I do, you know? Yeah, well, you mentioned, I think all comics go through, sorry, Gary, this is a conversation <laughs> between headliners, um, guys that write. Uh, so you mentioned that... You mentioned, you mentioned that you, uh, you went through an angry period, an edgy period, and I think that goes... Part uh, in terms of discovering your voice, was there something that capitulated you to the point where you said, "This is it. This is my voice." W what was that discovery? Um, I I was uh, from I, you know I started at seventeen, and from seventeen to about twenty three or twenty four, I just thought you were supposed to be angry because all the guys that I saw coming through the clubs, it was you know Hicks and Kinnison and. You know, I was at the very tail end of the boom. So I, all the guys that came through would just had this angry, angry point of view. And I wanted to emulate that. And, you know, I always thought Pryor had some fire and, and, and Carlin had some fire. And those were the guys that I loved. And I was like, I got to be like that. I got to do that. Right. And then, um, you know, I, I got to the point where I didn't, I, was, I just found out I wasn't that angry. You know, I wasn't, I just wasn't that angry. And we need all the guys in the comedy world. We need the guys that are super clean and observant. And we need the guys that go, you know, way out past the comfortable line. Because the, the purpose they serve is, you know, they keep everybody on their toes, but they also leave a big boundary for everybody else to play on the field. 
it's not always my cup of tea, but I certainly respect guys that can do that. And for me, and for me, I was back in Pittsburgh. The honest to God's truth, when I found my voice and realized who I was, I had gone back to Pittsburgh to play my hometown for the first time. And I hadn't seen a couple buddies, buddies of mine from the neighborhood for about 15 years. And we were drinking at a local bar in my old neighborhood called Rocco's. And we used to play wiffle ball in the alley. Me and my buddy <laughs> Kanashi, Roy Motter, and Benny Sessa. Right. And we're sitting there, and we had a few pops in us. And we started talking about these wiffle ball games. And it was about 1 a.m. And uh, Roy looks at me and goes, because all of our houses are still on that street. Our parents still lived in those houses at right. that time. And my buddy Roy goes, I, I think I still got that. We used to call this one wiffle ball back the bludgeon. <laughs> and the reason we called it that was because he filled it with wet paper and tape and let it dry in the sun. And it was a, literally a wiffle ball back that could kill you. <laughs> so he goes, I think we still got the bludgeon in my basement. And like any good Pittsburgher who's had four or five shots, I said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, yeah. And so we went down to his house in the middle of the night, and we got that, that bat, and we found a rubber ball, and we went out into the alley, and we started a game of wiffle ball. And uh, and I, 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 I was at bat, and I hit one, and, and somebody was looking for it and swearing because it was dark, and we couldn't find the ball. But when I was standing there, I swear to God, I've never even told anybody this before. Right. I was standing there, I just kind of went, this is who I am. This, I'm, right. a, I'm a working class kid from Pittsburgh. This is this is who I am. This is the people I come from. And what I found out later was, when you can write about what you come from, then you get to reflect the voice of the people who crafted and shaped you. Right. And so that's where my voice came from. Well, I got to tell you, Billy. You know, and I've said this to you many times. Uh, you know, because you and, and this I. Is, this is usually when a really bad insult comes from one of. No, the no, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I. This is this is usually whenever someone opens up, it's like okay, the stitches are out. <laughs> Here comes the bad end. No, we've been friends for quite a few many years, and to see you go yeah. from literally the guy that you know we toured together. And I will always say this, you you know, you taught me to how to be a headliner. I saw what you did. I saw how you killed it. I saw you, how you treated the staff, how you treated the owner, how you shook hands with the audience afterwards. And you always worked on your material. I think to this day, you take Louie, you take Rock, you take all those guys. I think you you put you on that on that stage, you'll knock them out just as hard as anybody else. I think you're one of the best out there right now. But you taught me how to be a headliner. But on top of that, you go back to Pittsburgh you're a guy that was a road dog and almost quit Hollywood. You said, one more pilot season, I'm going back to DVE, I'm going to be a co-host on the radio show, and that's it. And now here you are six years later, and you're still that same guy that had that conversation with me. And I could tear up when I think about how you've always maintained your integrity, you've always been down to earth, and that is your voice in comedy. You just, you're just such a good guy. You're a neighborhood guy, and I think that's why people relate to you so well. Well, I love you for saying that, and, and if I helped in any way, I, I'm honored, because that's, that's what it was about back when I started. It wasn't all this Hall of Justice, you know, Legion of Doom shit, where comics are out to get you and screw that guy and all, all that. Enough about Gary. So, so, and I will tell you this, man, you know, the gift that you gave me, and this will make Cannon uncomfortable, because we're both complimenting each other. And I, I disagree with gift, most of this conversation, so... <laughs> I mean, the, the gift, no, no, the gift <laughs> that you gave me, man, was um, when I ran into you, Nick Griffin, and Danny Evans, um, 
I was so burnt out and in such a bad place. And then we did the Jameson tour together and I had to close that tour. The original year, that, that year, that first year of the Jameson tour, because yeah. I had to follow Bevins, Griffin, and then you. That was, it was a make or break year for me. It was a make or break year for me. I was either going to fold it up or I was going to have to get on my horse and play ball with you guys. And you guys literally not only re-inspired me, but you got me to be a good comic again because I had all but about given up hope. I truly was so burnt on the road. Like I was at the point where I was like, if I have to see one more order of chicken fingers, I'm not <laughs> going to blow my head off. I was just literally at that place, man. And you guys, you guys, you made it fun for me again. And I forgot that you're supposed to have fun when you do this. Yeah, but it's also great. I mean, collectively, we had a great ensemble, and I think everybody elevated one another and inspired one another to to be on their best and work hard because you you hear the laughs you think geez i gotta i gotta put my two cents in here i gotta keep up with these guys and that that was a great I, learning curve for me that's too what, that's what that's what happened working with you guys for me there's no question there's no i, I give it i give you guys credit for that all the time because i was just like i was i was like i was nick nolte's mugshot picture when you guys <laughs> <started>. <laughs> I, I can visualize that yeah i'll get up there and tell some jokes yeah, yeah, i guess i'll get up there well, that pretty much would sum up Gary's comedy career. If you just the Nick like, Nolte mugshot, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, do you, how does your comedy translate to the rest of America? He's, just show that he's mugshot. Wearing that tie dye shirt, <laughs> awful, just awful. Well, Gardell, we love you. You are, yeah, you are the best. I love I, you guys, man. Thank I you so much for guys. taking time out to call us and and chat with us. We love you and continued success, bud. Gary, any parting words? Anytime. I love you both, and you know I'm a fan of both of you. Um, and and uh, my best to the family, and I'll. Uh, Gary, as you say, I'll see you on the lot. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love when I can I'm, say I'm that. Sure, I will see you on the lot again soon, my friend. Yeah, it we just got to call it in. Both breaking in to steal some souvenirs, but whatever. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, and, and just uh, I love you both, man. Hey, Billy, we just got to remember to tell Burn that when he comes to visit us, uh, eighth floor or higher is visitor parking. Okay. Just so he knows. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Love yeah. you, Gardell. You're the best. Fuck so, you, Gary. So, so I much. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon, man. Love you, Billy. Thanks All for right. calling. Take care, pal. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, by the way, it is your moment to shine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Can I my just friend. say this before we yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, jump to the pro- one of the best guys ever? I mean, just Literally. such a good, good, humble guy who no ego, no nothing. Yeah. And when I used to play the Atlanta Punchline all the time, I had heard so much about Billy Gardell, mm-hmm. so much. Never saw him. Heard he was one of the best road comics working out there. Yeah. And I think the first time I actually saw Billy performing and doing a full. 45 minutes was when we did the Wild West Comedy Festival a couple years ago, and I saw him and just blown away at how great he was and just owning that stage. And, you know, he's so humble about how great he is. And, I mean, just to watch him perform is just... Well, I think that's kind of the shameful part about this industry is that they're so quick to celebrate the new flavor or the hip, young, alt-comic. But it's like a guy like Gardell, who's been a wrecking ball for years just on the road, finally gets his time to shine... And he's making the most of it. So you go see him at a casino or a theater, and you go, where has this guy been? All my- right. How come I've never heard? And then it's because of Mike and Molly. People are being introduced to him. But I'm so glad he's getting this moment to shine the spotlights on him because for years, I mean, I'd watch this guy, and I mean it. 
You take Louie, you take Seinfeld, you take Rock, you put Gardella on that same stage, yeah, and he will knock it out of the yeah. fucking park because it's been 20 years of just groveling. There's dirt underneath that fingernails, and he's fought for everything he's ever gotten. I love that guy. Yeah, it's funny because you look at these shows that have all like the uh, the three panel of comics that, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I've worked with some of those comics on the road that just mm-hmm. can't even do 30 minutes, you know, and they're supposedly these well, headliners. Gary. And me. <laughs> Listen, let's get to the best 20. part of the show. Let's get, I, I, I did tell you that story when I headlined that one weekend in Detroit where yeah. I was asking if they had any local guest sets. I said, I love to foster the guest sets here. They're like, no, 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 you do all 50 minutes. I was like, let's bring some people in. Um, this is our favorite part of the show. We have so many people that love this show and so many sponsors that want to be involved, and they give us free stuff to give away to our fans. Today yeah. is no different. Let's do this. Today. You've done a really good job, by the way, at, at you know keeping in touch with corporations. Oh, I don't or even have businesses. to. They call us. They, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they so call. They call me. Thank you for taking the lead on that. Sure. And uh, you know they they obviously they get in touch with you through your Hotmail account. And so I would like to right now oh, uh, give away a. Uh, this is great. I love movies. I love movie quotes. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Gary. <laughs> Gary is literally, you're such an asshole. What he's trying to do, uh, my special champion that's on Netflix <laughs> is literally the first joke Two and a half I stars. have. Where it, two and a half two stars. Two and a half stars. Go yeah. fuck yourself, Gary. <laughs> it's four stars, you piece of shit. Oh, so Jess has been four on there f- multiple times. Okay. Great. Anyways, that's my wife. He's never. So he's literally doing my first joke out of the gates about how I, I love, love movie movies. Quotes. I love movie quotes. It's an icebreaker, Gary. Oh, it is? an hour special. It's a sucker punch. Yeah. And then you get into the material. Almost seemed like you had a warm-up on that special. Seemed like that crowd was almost too good. Yeah. Uh, Colin Jost <laughs> made him Colin laugh. Jost. Yeah. You got, the, you got them pumped up for the energy. But Gary was the audience warm-up. Yeah. And then my my good buddy Colin Jost, who's on Weekend Update on yeah. SNL, was kind enough to come down and do a set. And literally do a set just before he started to do, I think, his first or yeah, second week right. on Update. Right. So it was, it, was uh, it was a great privilege to have him along. Like a comic. Enough of the name drop. We have a $250 Fandango gift card to give oh. away. These are awesome, by the way, especially movie prices going up so much. Um, I should say that these, uh, this gift card is mm-hmm. only valid for Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> so that could be a problem. And if that's an issue for you, please don't try to win these things. This is only good for, for Adam Man. Sandler and Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> well, obviously, the last part is not true. It's nice to know that you brought some comedy to the podcast at the Finally. 26 mark. Sure, 26, there you go. Yeah, minute mark. So $250 Fandango gift card. $250. For our ninth caller, let's do that. And, and you uh, got to give happy. the phrase that pays. You got to give the phrase that pays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got to say, um, today, you know, we don't have many guests. We're still exploring and finding our own Seeing voice we like. in the podcast. Yeah. But that was a real treat to bring along Billy Gardell because, like you said, he's done our show Sullivan and Son. He did yeah. it. Uh, he did it. I think all three seasons, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did all three seasons yep. and couldn't have been a nicer guy. I remember the last time. The last two times he did, I think all three times actually, he bought something for the staff, for the crew and the uh, and the audience, or not the audience, the st- the crew and the cast, where he'd have like a cappuccino cart, or he had oh, a dessert really? cart. Yeah, well, we told people that worked on the show. Um, <laughs> Nobody told me about this cappuccino machine. Well, we never considered you part of the crew. <laughs> You're more an association of the audience. Whatever. More of the it, dancing clown. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. No, but he was. He's a super nice guy. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask him, uh, one of his favorite clubs that he got his start at years and years ago was the Punchline in Atlanta. Right. And I was curious now that that club is gone, you know, what uh, – you know, it's, it's so funny because there are certain signature clubs mm-hmm. across the country, whether it's the Atlanta Punchline or, like, certain little clubs that – 
they're mom and pop clubs, and then other clubs think that they can come in and kind of take over and kind of be the new big chain. Yeah. They, they really, you know, they have a tough time because those smaller clubs have such a great following. A storied history. Yeah. And they have the, you know, they have the fan base and from generation to generation, from the parents to the kids now coming out, the kids in college and, and such. But, that, I mean, that's, that's the great part about our industry is, you know, as you tour and you travel and you get to see all these different clubs, the clubs that have maintained do that for a reason. And the clubs that kind of fold or are barely surviving, there's a reason for that as well. And I think it comes down to the the ownership, but the fan base, uh, you know, it, it couldn't be a better time for comedy. Most of the clubs are packed nowadays. You go it anywhere. is funny because we were in Buffalo a couple months ago, and it's hard to believe that up until that club got there, which was recently, mm-hmm. there was no other comedy club in Buffalo. Great club. Great club. Great market. And there's nothing in Buffalo. Yeah. The weather's so cold. I heard a story that literally there was one day they got 12 – Inches of snow or something. It was crazy there. Right. And the club was still open. Because probably for people in Buffalo, it's They're no just big so deal. used to it, yeah. We'll drive right through it. Where no anywhere else, it would shut right down. So it's hard to believe that that was the only Philadelphia. When we were at Helium, that was the only club. There was no club there for years. Mm-hmm. And then the guy opened one up, and it's a hit. It's crazy. Lo and behold. Well, I got to say, uh, it's always great working with you, Gary, because we always get to end on a low note. Um, <laughs> well, here we are. We're coming towards the end right yeah we want to thank Last billy minute. gardell he's heading into his sixth season of mike and molly sixth season of that's mike crazy. and molly that's unbelievable these days to have a multi-cam syndicated yeah. show go the distance like that most most shows go five and then they tap out because you got the syndication but they're going another route ra- and they're taking another lap Six. and i mean melissa mccarthy so funny so talented just great great and um yeah, thank you, Gary. What? Thank you for sharing so. By the way, so many uh, the the, yeah. the millionaire show, Monopoly Millionaire, is awesome. By the way, Gar- that I think I think once Mike and Molly ends, if Gardell doesn't get another sitcom, I think that's his calling is a game show a host. host. Why did the Late Late Show when he hosted? It? Yeah, he was a guest host and he was he was flawless as a host. He's very he's just a great host. Yeah, he's great. Um, great. So here we are, end of episode six, six on the Gentleman's yeah. Dojo. Oh my God! We so, got some cool things planned for the upcoming episodes that we don't we definitely do say a whole lot about. But uh, once again, we'd like to thank Billy Gardell. We'd like to thank everybody at All Things Comedy for Keep giving in us touch, this opportunity. Follow All Things Comedy, yep. all underscore things underscore comedy at Instagram, all th- at All Things Comedy on Twitter. Gary, yep. where can they find you? Uh, at <laughs> Canon Comedy <laughs> live. It's such a joke. <laughs> um, so everything I have, Steve Byrne Live, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, keep in touch. Let Champion us know what you think. is on Netflix. It's an hour special. It's an hour special, Gary. <laughs> an hour. Not not ten minutes of material and twenty minutes of crowd work. Give it up for the troops. Is- <laughs> I've been sober for two years. No. It's material. We're celebrating you piece of an shit. anniversary. Yeah. We love you. Thanks we'll for see listening. You around.